Bali Coffee specializes in light roasted single origin coffees, but once a year, the darkness takes over. Introducing the Darkest Day Halloween Roast, a blend of specialty beans roasted darker than any other offering we have ever done in the past. Available now at follycoffee.com. Only available in October. Don't miss out. Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 50 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. That's the other benefit of this little studio is I now have button features. <laughs> we, have, we have an audience with us today and we have a full band. Exactly. Well, that's the great thing is no one watches the video, so they might actually think we have an audience here. Absolutely. <laughs> Give us a round of applause again, please. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And then... Oh, that'll come in handy today with something we're talking about. Oh, yeah. uh, I am here with Niles Deneen of Deneen Pottery. Um, I am a huge fan of, this is the weird part where I'm kind of talking third person, but you're right in front of me. I am a huge fan of brands where I don't know how I know them. And you reached out to me and emailed me, uh, and instantly I recognized the name and I was like, wait, why do I know it's cause of pottery, uh, mugs. There's so many different people doing it out there, but instantly the name ring, I've, I've seen your mugs at Surly. I've seen them with like, um, what's the, uh, the big coffee company that does like the Viking branding and all that. Death Wish Coffee. Yeah, Death Wish Coffee. You see their mugs plastered all over social media. And I just instantly recognized the name and knew the mugs. And I was like, I actually, I do, I don't respond to many sales emails, to be honest, because they come in. But I was like, I recognize the name. And then I read the story about your, your parents and you taking over the business. And I just have seen your mugs around that I was like, at the very least, I want to check out what is going on because brands where I just, you just know about it. And I was like, that means something is going really right. Yeah, yeah, I think you like to think so. At least uh, if you if you send off an email to someone that sort of is familiar and they're like, I want to check this out. I mean, that, that, would, that would say that we're not screwing up majorly. Yeah, and it's funny because I was like, I don't know why I know this. And then that's what, it, that, so it's a weird feeling when you're like, I know this, but I need to find out why I know this. And then the more I looked into it, I go, oh yeah, I've seen it here. I've seen it there. I've seen this. Well, I feel the same way about your brand. <laughs> that's such a lie. No, no, it's not <laughs> such a lie. Because you know, when, when COVID happened, it was like coffee. Coffee seems to be one that's stable. I mean, we we work with a bunch of different verticals. So, you know, hospitality and the national parks and so many of them were just like, we're closed. Restaurants closed. It was like, I've got people. I got to got to get them to work. Coffee. And I had heard and I you were like in the ethos. You like you, I knew of Foley Coffee. It was like how, where, what. And as I'm reaching out to you, then that that Channel Four deal with Jason DeRusha came on. And I was like, "Son of a, f- this is crazy. <laughs> this is the it's like serendipity or something." So I, you know, it's like then I investigated you a little bit more, but. I still want to hear your origin story. Like, how did this all start for you? All right, I guess we'll we'll get this out I, of the I, way. <laughs> I mean, you've told it enough, I'm sure. Uh, no, um, no. So previous to coffee, I worked for Boston Beer Company right out of college, which is uh, Sam Adams. Uh, I used to say Sam Adams Angry Orchard Twisted Tea, but now you say truly Sam Adams Angry Orchard Twisted Tea because truly has become a, its own thing. And but while I was doing sales for them right out of college, I started there in 2013. I did feet on the street sales for like two years. And while I was doing that, I became just a, a massive beer nerd. Like got my Cicerone certification, 
like became one of the beer nerds at Sam Adams. Like there's a small clique of people that were like, everybody here's a fan of beer, but like we're the nerdy nerds. And so you guys are fans. We know what we're talking. Yeah. About. Yeah. And, and so I got my sister own certification, ended up getting promoted down to Champaign, Illinois, where I was doing more like uh, key account management and like working with distributors and uh, started pursuing my advanced Cicerone, uh, which was like three hours of studying a day for four months. I missed it by three points and it was right around this time that I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it again, but I got to take a mental break here. And during that time, a coworker of mine used to sell specialty coffee and was like, how are you, how are you into like great beer and really great food? And I taught myself to cook so that I could do better on the, like the flavor pairing side and you're drinking crappy coffee. And I was like, I don't under, it didn't even register to me that that was a thing. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought these chains Coffee's were, like, coffee. I thought what, this was good coffee. And he wrote down a list of roasters and uh, Sump Coffee in St. Louis was uh, nearby my territory. And so I went into there and that first cup I had was just like naturally processed Ethiopian Yerga Chef, big blueberry notes. It's like the ultimate coffee to t- give a newbie. And they're like, what? This is just coffee. And so I picked the brain or the barista's brain about it and was just instantly obsessed and I think part of it looking back onto it because I have a lot of fleeting obsessions I've found in my life but why did this one stick I think part of it is the time that I was about to retake the advanced Cicerone where I had this routine of three hours of studying uh, that just disappeared so all of a sudden I had this free time that just instantly went into coffee Uh, and then the other side is the more I learned about coffee the more it became compelling because I was attracted to it by the taste and just it's a brand new f- spectrum of flavor that I'd never explored. Oh, but yeah. then you learn about the culture of people behind it in the U.S. And then you learn that the high end of the category, the specialty coffee, what, like what we're doing now, benefits everybody in the supply chain. And then that's what really drove it home is like, whoa. So by drinking better coffee, everyone benefits if you're working with the right people. And that gets to the farmers in the fields. and the- Exactly. Yeah. Because... Yep. Everybody hears the term fair trade price, and this is very important because it makes sure that you're paying. I think the fair trade price is somewhere around a dollar twenty right now, but this is you know we're paying for coffees that are three or four times this amount, and so fair trade's important. But if you're pushing people to drink better coffee, like what we're roasting or what other great roasters are, are using, it's going to be three or four times that the farmers are getting paid, um, and. So at that point, it was kind of like, I loved my job. At this point, I was in St. Louis uh, doing like sales training and distributor stuff. And it was like, okay, well, you know, I'm a single guy um, with no real, you know, real responsibilities. Like if I was ever going to do something, this would be the time. And then also I started doing research into the business side of the high-end coffee and noticed big similarities between what happened in craft beer like 10, 15 years ago in coffee in the sense that the number of coffee drinkers at this point and this was like three years ago four years ago now um it remains remarkably stable over time but the amount people are spending on coffees continues to increase Mm. and this tells me that okay the number of drinkers continues but that means they're just buying better and better coffee and you see i did a trip out to the west coast where um i went to seattle and it was like you you expect to go to Seattle and have everybody be really pumped on Starbucks. It's our hometown brand. Like you'd think everybody would be hyped about it, but you go out there and the younger coffee drinker was excited about these third wave style light roasted coffees. Wow. And 
that's kind of where it clicked where I go, okay, Midwest tends to be like 10 to 15 years behind on catching up on these trends. California, West coast tend to be way ahead of it. Yep. And so it was like, all right, let's, let's try this. And I try, I did try to convince myself out of it. I tried to like do as much research and to find a reason why not to do this. And there were a lot of factors that fell into place. First, my parents agreed after I, <laughs> I built out a business plan, uh, before presenting it to them because they know, Smart. they know of my, uh, tendency to have fleeting obsessions. And this definitely <laughs> reeked of that, but because it was fully vetted out, they saw I was very serious. They said, okay, you can live with us while you're starting it. So that was a huge factor. Um, and then just every Minnesota is actually a very good place to start a coffee business. We have cafe imports here locally in town with the yep. top specialty roasters or I'm sorry, importers, importers in the country. And, uh, also there are some people roasting great coffee here, but I think there's room for a lot more. And so it eventually led to me quit my job, moving back in May of 2017. And, uh, yeah, it still is up for debate if it was the best decision or worst decision of my life, but it was definitely a decision. <laughs> uh, are you having fun doing what you're doing? It's, I will say it is a lot of fun. And, Still your parents? Uh, no. <laughs> so it's not a bad decision then? <laughs> On both ends. They were, yeah. we're both really pumped. <laughs> After two years with them, I think we were both very happy, but uh, they both started uh, businesses as well. And so looking back on it, I was like, oh, I should have been taking their advice way more from the start. And I'm kind of realizing that after the fact, but I think part of it is when you're a 26, 27 year old living with your parents, you get that, like, I want to be independent, even though I'm living downstairs. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's, it's been an incredible amount of work. Uh, but even on the worst days, it's like, okay, even on the worst oh. days, it's still pursuing something that I'm passionate about. Oh, and I'm exactly. And the frustration is because of that that it's like it's because i'm trying to get closer to what we're trying to do versus frustration of like existential crisis or like or or repetition or and i get very easily bored and yeah so that's basically the story we launched in january 2018 um i ended up meeting jeff who's now our head roaster about four months after that and he is the long yes yeah yeah yeah. um coffee handsome fella too yeah coffee jesus as uh some have been that we were working the bloody mary fest in uh (laughs) we were working the bloody mary fest in minneapolis and you know the the second session people pregame and then by the end of it they're they're pretty good to go <laughs> and uh some guy just walks by looks at jeff sees the coffee's on it goes coffee jesus <laughs> and i was like that i was like sorry jeff that's sticking forever you got it but yeah um so we've we it's been kind of uh this year's been a struggle but uh it's been a struggle for everybody and we're fortunate with coffee like you said that you kind of have to just find the customers uh, and things have obviously rapidly changed this year, but that's kind of how we've been approaching it is people are still drinking coffee. Yeah. People still want really good coffee. So how do we find them and what types of things can we do to make it more exciting for people drinking coffee at home? And that when you contacted me, that is what came to my mind that I was like, we don't, we, we launched on a new website and cut out all merch because it was starting to get distracting. And I was like, yeah, that scared me a little bit. When you're like, <laughs> we don't do merch. I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be merch. It could just be an awesome mug that it's really good to drink from. But as you were saying, yeah, the, the new website, we cut out merch completely because it was getting distracting. And I was like, we're a coffee roaster. It's what we do is roast coffee. Um, but as the online sales have picked up and people are doing more and more at home, I go, we oh. do, we want more to interact with people at home and having somebody's favorite mug is a big deal. I have like 
30 mugs and I drink from maybe three of them consistently. And one of them. And, one of them <laughs> and here's the funny thing to tie back to Sam Adams. And then I want to get to your story because that's why I have you here. But uh, this mug we designed with you reminds me a bit of the Sam Adams glass because Jim Cook spent like a million dollars developing the Sam Adams glass. And the, the features I really liked about it is the first, the top, it's very easy to drink from, which ironically, like a normal coffee mug is not. It's, it's like shaped weird and a little harder to drink from. The wider base, this stays hotter longer. And then just the thickness of this, the stoneware, it stays hot really long. And so when you sent me that sample, I was just like, this is a good mug. And it works really well for pour over. Uh, I absolutely love using it. Um, yeah, you can't take really good coffee. You can't take specialty coffee and then put it in a piece of crap cup. It yeah, does, it just doesn't work. And just something Styrofoam, about like the, there's certain paper. feels of a mug, oh. I, and there's certain mugs that I go. It's not what it says or what's on it. It's just I like that mug, and this is this is definitely added to the lineup. Um, and and that's where it clicked for me. That I was like, oh, that, and then also. Uh, your follow-up and customer service is like next level. Nice. I will, I will say that, that during these times, you guys are hearing this, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you, we watch what we, what we put out. So my team is going to be watching this and be like, Hey, we did a good job. You guys are doing a great job, but thank you for the opportunity. It's, and it's not even just that it was like, Oh, it was faster than anyone. Cause at this point I think people just equate, Oh, great customer services that it's faster. That's not necessarily true at this point because COVID, everybody's working on a skeleton crew, a screw right. t- t- skeleton crew, and I totally understand that. But what you did have is total transparency and clarity along the entire process. So I always knew what step of the process with a handmade handmade bug. I knew exactly what step we were at right every step of the process. I mean, you're literally sending me texts of like, check this out. Here's the well, that that was that was. I mean, there wasn't a lot happening. So I mean, <laughs> if anyone else gets it's like, why isn't Niles sending me a text on where my order is? Be like, well, Niles can't send text to everybody. I mean, his, I think his plan has limits. Yeah, so probably have an unlimited plan, but. But send, but even just being able to check in an email and get quick, concise uh, responses about here's yeah. where you're at, it's becoming more and more rare. And it's especially, we have pre-printed bags, we have pre-printed boxes, we have all yeah. these things that's really important when we receive them. And so that was something that like, at the very least, it's like, okay, I, I totally get it now that the product is great, but also the process of getting it was very smooth and clear. Yeah. And yeah, so it's it's been a pleasure to work with you. Good. <laughs> and I also like Good. that you said, well, let's figure out these Halloween mugs <laughs> before we do the podcast to make sure that you're still happy with me before yes. we record. Yes. So once yeah. again, I want to grab this. So we just... This is. I'm gonna post this episode. I think like ahead of schedule, so that it times up with the launch of the Halloween coffee. Cool. But going back to like the importance of interacting with people at home is we wanted to create more online seasonal launches, and so we're doing our Halloween coffee called Darkest Day, which we only do light roasted single origin coffees, pretty much, and this is a dark roasted blend. So it's kind of flipping on its head during a creepy month and a creepy year. And we had these mugs designed, and I'm so stoked about it. They're hand-numbered. There's only 95 of them uh, produced, and so it's like the shape of it. This, too, is just like it's – they're totally different, but I love both of them. Well, I think it it pairs well with the idea, especially coffee and limited, and it's not – you know, you can't – there's no there's no possible way we could do you know five hundred thousand one million mugs, where you could find some factor that could push them out. You could put numbers on them, but it's it's limited. It's special, and it it marks a very special occasion, and it it pairs well with what you guys are doing. So it's that's a good it's a good mix. That's oh, wow, that's a clap. If you don't, I, would, I just clapped on the tats. That scared me a little bit. <laughs> 
So going back to your story now, now that anyone listening who listens regularly is like, we know. Yeah, we know. Okay. I'll put the time marker of 15 oh, yeah. minutes that, hey, if you want to skip the Folly Coffee story, let, you can skip to 15, which I think <laughs> actually I will mark because I know people do appreciate when I do that. Um, so Deneen Pottery started by your parents, correct? Yeah. In 1972. Well, I was like 69. I mean, my dad was throwing pots in college, met my mom in the art building, and then decided to start a pottery company together. But that was like 68, 69. He went to grad school at UNI and then was like, wanted to try and find a, a pottery company to work for. Like, I should get some experience. I should work for another one. And he's like, I can't find any that are doing hand-thrown pottery. It just didn't exist. Um, so, you know, what do you do when you can't find that opportunity? Just do it yourself. So, What was the landscape like in the 70s? Because with today, e-commerce being a big thing, it's easier to find customers and interact and engage them directly. How do you, in the 1972 or late 60s, start a pottery business and start to get the word out that this is even available? Oh, well, I was born in 75, so I, I, don't, have, I don't have boots on the ground experience there. <laughs> I do know that, um, that we had an epic fail, but as you know from being a small business owner, every time that you have a failure, you learn something. And then that becomes part of your DNA. So um, retail stores, that was one avenue. And then wholesale. So he's, he's trying to split it. So he was doing dinnerware and he was mm-hmm. like, I'll make up. It was called cloth and clay. It was like pottery barn, but he was going to make all the pottery. And then he was going to source all the tapestries and all the you know home goods that you would need. And they got a spot in Butler Square in Minneapolis, like two blocks down from First Ave, mm-hmm. right next door to Target Center. Originally, a Marriott was going to go in. So my dad's like, sweet, Marriott, right? Like a hotel. So constant new people, constant new people. Signs the lease, Marriott's going in. And they're like, oh, Marriott's not going in. It's going to be offices. He's like, offices, great. So the people that are going to go in the offices are going to be the same ones that, there's no constant stream of Mm -hmm. new people. So their sales are pretty good in the beginning. And after a year, after a year and a half, it sucked because it was like, oh, yeah, there's that little potter shop. They're gonna, we don't, yeah, we don't need anything. Have some pottery, they'll anything. already have it. Yeah, so I ended up closing that one down. Um, and then I can't remember what year that was, but um, you know, challenges. You, I mean, you, you know, 60s, 70s, whatever. It's like you'd have to get a stall, get a farmer's market, get a, you know, uh, an art fair, set up a booth, mm-hmm. talk to people as they're coming up, get them to know you, and then be, be able to be found. But, yeah, no internet. I mean, I think some of our old literature is postcards, you know, uh, books of designs for bed and breakfast that we were working with. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think that's a good question for my dad, and I will have to ask. Yeah. We do same page meetings every week as mm-hmm. he's transitioning the business. So he's like, what do you want to know? So I'll ask him. What was it like growing up with parents that were doing a business like this? Was it something like at, at what age did you become aware that this how do I phrase this? Because I think for me, growing up with parents that started businesses, you just go, that's just their yeah. job. That's yeah. just their job. That's just what they do. It's, yeah. it's, it's where they go every day. You're always working. <laughs> There's always work happening. And when you're at work, you, you can talk family. And then when you're at home, you're talking business. There's, <laughs> there's no delineation. There's no separation. I, 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 I think the idea of having a family where it, 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 sort of work or what's happening at work that isn't, isn't being talked about, mm-hmm. I don't know what that's like. Was it something you were always interested in? No. Okay. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Um, not, not really. <laughs> so at what point? But now you're like one of the faces of Deneen Pottery. What is that transition like and how did that come to be? <clears throat> uh, so when I got out of college, uh, it wasn't like my sophomore year. I don't think I've, I've said this one a lot. When I was in my sophomore year of college, my dad was driving me back to campus. I was a track and field athlete, which 
the University of Minnesota has a really tough time right now. Their Board of Regents is thinking about like canceling shutting down the track, track and field, and yeah. field which is men's track and field yeah. and cross country. Or no, they're going to keep cross country. It's just men's track and field, indoor and outdoor, which that was my, that was my jam. Hmm. So anyways, I'm an athlete and my dad's giving me a ride back to campus and he's like, so, you know, I, I married your mother and I wanted to, I wanted to throw beautiful pots, but then I had to support her, you know, and then you, you and your brother came along. So I had to support your livings, you know, standard of living. So, um, so we have a pottery company now and I'm ready just to go back and make beautiful pots. So uh, you can take over the business. I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what my major is. I don't, I don't, I've got a year and a half until I graduate. I'm not, I don't want to, I, the world seems like a very big place. I've lived in St. Paul. I'm living in Minneapolis. I, I got to go see some stuff. So then I decided I needed to leave. So I flipped out and became a model and then traveled I don't know, five or six continents, you know, got married, got my pilot's license, thought I was going to fly airplanes for a little while. But that moment, like you were saying, three hours a day, you were three points away from passing your test. So I had one of those moments where I was like, I'm going to do this and then something happens. And then it's like, you go that way. The butterfly effect, like if you could go back and it didn't happen, I wouldn't be sitting here, neither would you. But I was flying uh, in a single engine aircraft and it was after I passed my uh, uh, instrument flight rating. So that's when you're flying with the hood on. So you can't, you can't see the ground. You can't see the clouds. You can't see anything but these old archaic instruments from the 60s and 70s. And after an hour and a half of that flight, I was like, I don't want to fly planes. I got to do something else. So I called a buddy of mine here in Wecraft, who was at the U with me. And I was like, your wife is a pharmaceutical sales. She like that? And he's like, she hates it. Work for your dad. I was like, oh, really? He's like, don't be an idiot. Go take that business somewhere. Go, seriously, just go work for your dad. You, your mugs are amazing. Just go do it. I was like, for real? He's like, don't talk to me again until you do it. Just go. So I didn't. And I did. So. This is the most casual dropping. I, mean, I became a model, went around five or six cons, became a pilot. And you're like, oh, okay. You're like you said that as as if I would say like, yeah, I grabbed some coffee and did a little bit of lunch, and then uh, met up with a buddy. It's just stuff you do. <laughs> yeah, it's just stuff what do. everybody does, right? Uh, well, I mean, maybe no, maybe not, maybe not. Yeah, and when when you first start um, working with your parents, is it? Are you excited to start or is... Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I wore my dad down in the beginning. I remember because I was living at home too because I came back as a vagabond. You know, you don't really have a place to live when you're doing that, you know, getting photographed and whatever. So I come back and it's like, well, I, I, I can live with you. Uh, I, I probably need like maybe twenty eight to $32,000 a year and then I could get my own apartment. And he's like, well, figure out how the business can make that then. I'm like, okay, so sales and marketing. Okay, all right. Because when I was doing my pilot's lessons, I was working part-time in shipping. Because I was like, I had half the day to fill. So mm -hmm. I was like getting into it, but I didn't really want to get into it. I didn't want to, you know, lead people, manage process. I just wanted to like get in, do some work, get some money and get out. Um, and then, uh, and then it was like sales and marketing. So conferences, putting together our catalog. And then, you know, I went to school for graphic design. So like I had the, I had the skills to be able to put together some stuff and have it make sense and do a little bit of communications. And then it was just like, you get to connect with people. And then when you realize that a, a mug isn't just a mug, it, it it's a it's a it's a branding tool. It's brand awareness. It 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 extends. It it communicates, and it's useful. And I mean, it's an intimate thing too, if you yeah. think about it, because it's like you you bring it to your mouth and you touch it to your lips, and it's beautiful. So it's like you you can impact positively. And then when you make really beautiful stuff, then you get these comments from people like, "We love these," and the, I mean, that's just like I'd rather. I'd rather hear that every day than like you're late or this sucks or I have a problem. We just we just make people happy. So that's just that's just a side benefit. Yeah, one of the things Jim Cook said at Sam Adams that always resonated with me, uh, 
and did come to mind when it came to like mugs and glassware and how we're focusing on that is they've got those iconic pints and one of the problems they have is that they get stolen from bars all the time and so they're like losing their asses by providing these glasses to so many bars and uh he was somebody asked him about it like have you ever considered not doing this because you're lots of money nationally and he said well if someone is drinking their morning glass of milk out of a Sam Adams glass, that means the first thing they're thinking about every morning is about a Boston lager and you can't pay for that kind of marketing. <laughs> God, he is good. He's yeah, he's good. He's, he's like, he is in the commercials. They, I will say that he's not a character. That's, that's who he God, is. I love that. No. And he, that really stuck with me because for all the ways that you can spend money on marketing, oh. becoming a part of somebody's routine or just becoming someone's favorite mug is important. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, didn't, I did. I've never, I mean, my dad's been saying that to me for years, but I've never heard it like that mm-hmm. about someone that has that level of, well, cachet. <laughs> yeah, That's insane. He, he knows a few things. He, he's one of the guys that when you're in a room and he starts talking, I, I've encountered a few people like that in my life where the second they start talking, you go, he's the smartest one in this room and there's oh. no debating it. It's just like, like he gets a few questions and every single time you go, oh. Oh, I get it now. Take me like, to school. Yeah, Take me to school I, again. I totally get it now. And so even thinking of that with coffee, like where that's what I'm thinking about, like with the Halloween and we're going to do, I might as well unofficially announce it here, St. Patrick's Day coffee. Uh, now I'm like, okay, can we do the opposite with coffee? Where somebody's favorite beer mug is also our logo, where somebody's favorite this is our logo as well, so that they're thinking about us while they're having their favorite beer. Uh, that's kind of how I start thinking about the glassware game. And I like, yeah. uh, so I like the limited releases in that sense. And um, the, the detail work on these is impressive so tell me about the the process of the the mug and is it different from the emblem itself yeah the, and, and this is a question i had is like what is there a difference between stoneware and other types of pottery yes uh, it gets real sciencey real fast there's a there's a bit of uh bill nye mm-hmm. because there's i mean clay is a naturally occurring material that's found in the earth and there's a many different varieties of clay so we use there's uh Every potter has their their blend. So, like, you've got your roasting temperatures. It's like, what's your temperature? What's your... And you're like, I'm not going to tell you that one. Of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't, because that's yours. That's proprietary. So, we the clay that we use, um, in mind in Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio, um, it's just the properties of that that clay body that make our mugs super durable. The plasticity, uh, we've had it tested, and it's really similar to... Um, what is it? It's the white porcelain mm. so it's super strong and it yeah it's wonderful um but yeah i mean fire temperatures and then the, and the properties of the clay so you can have impurities in your clay you can use yeah it's i mean that's a whole nother i could get some is there i guess the, the let's do the layman's question of this. there you go is there is is all pottery called stoneware so anything made with clay would that technically be stoneware because it's just clay makes stoneware you could call it like a, um it, when you think of a flower pot something mm-hmm. you find like at home depot yeah sort of terracotta yeah so that that's not really stoneware right it's kind of earthenware yeah but it's also fired once so it's a little it's a good question yeah, it's a good question. You're stumping me. But when it says stoneware and it shows up, I go, okay, that makes sense. When I when you encounter a terracotta pot, you go, it's different. But why is it different? And that's so the blend that goes into it is as important Materials. as anything. And then your temperatures. And how are you doing these emblems? Because that's what that was honestly one of my worries going into it. Is we we've run into this problem with a lot of handmade stuff. Oh, there's liquid in there. Uh, that was yours. That's not mine. <laughs> um, 
we have a pretty highly detailed you know outer ring of our logo and i was worried that with handmade things and with the detailing of this being an actual you know embossed into the yep. how do you go in that process of being able to get that level of detail into these emblems it's a separate piece of clay so if you whenever you look at any of our mugs if you look at the bottom it's it's a brownish red yeah and the medallion is a white so it's two different clay bodies so that's a, a completely different clay body um but it's you know it's sort of one of those other proprietary like um when dad was doing decorative techniques back in the like early to mid 80s um it was with brushes so they would take a brush and put it into slip and then they would draw in like calligraphy yeah like minnesota renaissance festival or lando lakes or i think we did some wild rice jars for byerly's or something so it's like wild rice and then byerly's on the back and then mm-hmm. it was like we got we got to up our game this isn't working so then they took some plaster reverse carved into plaster pressed clay into it and pulled it out so then you'd have it and then smart and they're doing like unicorns and we had a booth at the renaissance festival so it was mostly themed like wizards and you know cool stuff yeah uh live action role play lr uh, what is it larping yes <laughs> i got a lot of that when i was young um but then it was someone came along and said we want to put our name our business name and he's like oh geez you got like perfect letters like mm. this isn't gonna i can't carve that one so then advancements were made and then perfected and through the years we've been continuing to refine it so then we have what we have today. Well, that's the beauty of it is like the ha- the mug still has that beautiful handmade feel, but the detail in the emblem still makes it because it's like you don't want to lose the no. effectiveness of your branding with this. And that's I think that's one of the things that to me appealed about the samples you sent me. So you're like this still is clearly handmade, the, the actual mug itself, but the emblem. This is like, I swear, this is like an infomercial. We should be on QVC right now. Like, look at <laughs> our proprietary blend of clay from Kentucky. Uh, this is like limited time only. So where are we now? Because we've talked, uh, we've talked my, your story, my so story. You just, yeah, you just did. started at Deneen. Is it, oh. Has it always been called Deneen oh. Pottery? No. Uh, so that, that, uh, that retail shop, that cloth and clay mm-hmm. sort of store, that was... And that I think that was in they they filed that with the Secretary of State in 1972. So that that's what we go back to is 1972. Is that that was that sort of the Peter Deneen powder I think started in 1969. Okay, but when our business failed in the in like 87, we had, I think that's we publicized that enough. It's uh, you learn a lot. What it, knowledge is what you get when you read the fine print. Experience is what you get when you don't. We got a lot of experience out of the 80s, yeah. a lot of experience. Um, but when the business went under, one of my dad's business partners, you know, he was deciding to start back over. My mom and my dad separated. My dad lived somewhere else. And then uh, my, it was my parents' 50th, actually, their 50th anniversary. And they, when we, my brother and I sat down with them, um, my mom said, you know, I think it was, it was you and your brother, you and Owen, that you're the reason why we really got back together. And I was like, wasn't it part probably the, the business too. And she's like, well, yes. I mean, your, your father was going to start a new business, but it was you boys that really helped our family come back together. And then the business helped too. And then the fact that we were successful then, and you know, we're all still one unit. Um, but when he was starting back over, he was trying to figure out how to get a name or to, you know, he didn't have any money. And his old business partner said, well, I, you know, I still have the books for cloth and clay. You just, dust it off. You just haven't filed any returns for a number of years. So you just have it. So I think he was 50, 50 partners at that time. So then he was just like, I'll just sign it over to you. So he just signed here. You can have ownership of cloth and clay. It's just yours. And then he started back. So 
cloth and clay was the name and then it, it just didn't it didn't work and every time you'd say well cloth and clay they're like oh what's the cloth part i was like we don't do cloth we we don't do cloth. That was going to be my immediate question. Was like, what is cloth referring to? Yeah. Well, and then before I worked for my dad, he had a friend that was a silk screener. So then he would go to bed and breakfast conferences and he'd bring his buddy Roger mm. and then they'd have t-shirts and aprons, you know, whatever it is that you'd have that you'd be able to put your brand on. And then it's just like, after a while, I was like, this is just, you know, find the one thing you do, do it really well. Don't, don't get out doing a lot right. of different things. It's just stay focused. So we then, you know, the changing the name was Deneen Pottery Cloth and Clay, you know, two names together. And then we slowly just deleted the cloth and clay. I mean, we, obviously we didn't have much of a budget to hire a, a marketing firm to really help us do a rebrand. We just changed the name and then put it in a font and now that's it. I was just done. But it gets the story across, especially I think now that you're a part of the business too, it's the name is even more impactful because now that name refers not only to... Yeah, I think I'm going to change the name to Niles. <laughs> <laughs> what was the business like when you joined and um, what were uh, changes that you were looking to make or was it just amplify what's currently happening? You know, my dad has always been focused on operations. We um, are you familiar with Gino and Wickman and Traction? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's a it's a business philosophy of how you run a company. So then you have like your visionary that sits up on top, and then in the way that they classically have the traction model, you have your visionary, your integrator. Oh, traction. Yeah, like EOS. EOS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, EOS. So you know, what EOS. was the first? You said Wick Wick which Gino Wickman. Oh. He's the author. He's the guy that... Oh, yeah. No, see, my brain, I'm good for one word. <laughs> I, I can associate one word with something, and then yeah. I'm good, and then after that, you lost me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, anyways, so EOS. Yeah. If anyone that doesn't know it, you can look it up. You Google it. Just, uh, entrepreneurial Operating System. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's three words. You said one word. Well, it's an abbreviation. It's, yeah, get I, if, I, if I knew how it worked, I'd, it, I'd be in a much better place. <laughs> No, it's not that we have to be have the best tools. We just have to know how our tools work. Mm-hmm. So, um, but my dad was more of a visionary, and he was really heavy in ops. And then through uh, just having business, failing business, and he had the finance side. So then I came in on the sales side, and he really kind of just let me do whatever I want on the sales and marketing side. And then he really focused on operations. So and he would focus on the manufacturing. He'd focus on our glaze chemistry, our tech, our you know the processes that we have in place. Which when you have time, you're going to come over and see the place. Absolutely. You're going to love it. Um, and then, uh, you know, very early on, then we, we found a financial analyst who had like sort of a fractional CFO. Mm-hmm. So he came on board, gave us a lot of horsepower on the finance side. So then we had, I mean, we, we never had L10s, which is a level 10, which is you meet regularly, discuss your issues. I mean, it's a really great, that, that entre- entrepreneurial operating system is really wonderful if you stick to it and we're sticking to it now. Um, Jeff and I are off and on for the past two years. It's hard. We used to drive out to Silver Lake where we originally started, and we would do them on the one-hour drive, and it was perfect. And oh, then yeah. when we moved over here, it we kind of did it for a couple of weeks, and then it quickly went away. But it's yeah. t- it's tough to keep up but when you're Discipline. doing it. Yeah, the meetings to kind of my, – my takeaway of it is – I hate meetings because it's a lot of people that want to do show and tell to show what I'm, I'm important. What I'm doing is important. Okay. Your turn now. And what these meetings are is the week prior you set, uh, here's what needs to get done in the next week. If it didn't get done, it becomes an issue. And you say, we will discuss issues at the end of the meeting. And then you identify that issue. Did it happen because of, do we have something within our system that's wrong? Did I do something wrong? Did you do something wrong? Basically, where's the accountability with the goal of fixing that issue permanently versus like stuff just keeps happening over and over. And when you do it weekly, it's stuff. 
Jeff, Jeff put it best. He goes, I'm when we were doing it, uh, he's like, I'm never stressed because I know exactly what's expected of you and what's expected of me yep. for the next week. And that's all we do in that week. Yeah. To do's getting to do's articulated, documented, and then you follow up on them. You're held accountable to what you say you're going to get done. And so I, I big time interrupted you there, but I wanted no, to insert that, that in there because anyone like listening, dialogue. that's yeah. like, and that doesn't matter. I, they say it's like for X amount size, there's oh. two of us. And I think it's no. still effective. I've got a, I've got a, well, I have a business coach, but one of our mutual friends, the a guy that turned me on to it, this um, Todd Gimbel's his name. He's got golden treasures on Grand Avenue. He is a sole proprietor of a jewelry shop. He has you know three or four employees, I think. He does EOS with his jewelry shop. Yeah. He does sales and marketing. He has a level 10 sales and marketing meeting with himself <laughs> that he holds himself accountable to the stuff he has to get done. It's like, so the system can work for one person and it will work for a, co- a company with like five or 5,000. Well, it's, it's incredible for accountability because yeah. even if he just hosts it for himself, he can then show that. Because I think one of the big frustration, uh, and this is true for me, this is true for anybody that's ever worked for anybody, I think, is you look at your boss and you go, what the heck are they doing with their time? And then this happened at Sam Adams. I was like, what the heck is my, my boss doing with their time? Then I got in that position and I was like, oh, wow. Okay, this is why I wasn't, okay. And then then you're like, but what is my boss doing now? And then you get in that position. You're like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's line work, there's busy work. And then there's, I mean, blue sky is a term that I'm starting to realize now. Just um, to be able to allocate time for yourself during the week where you don't have anything planned. Mm catch up on stuff or you just get to dream you just get to put your brain in a place where you're like all right what should we be thinking about next where where's the you know where's the trend where's the pattern what are what are we not thinking about how do we think about that one um and then you know sometimes there's just a like there's a lot of post holes to dig and you just gotta dig a lot of post holes the soup's back there on the truck what is he doing okay maybe that guy was just you know drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette for four hours where you put in 40 posts but he could have been doing something else when he was, he could have been thinking about where the next deal was going to be or yeah. being ready for the landowner that was going to come over. Sorry, as a tangent. I don't know where that came no, from. No, I, uh, my buddy, Johan, who's one of the owners over at Wesley Andrews, uh, put it in an interesting way. Uh, and it sounds like this is kind of the setup at Deneen too, is that it's the entrepreneur's job to basically tell the story of the maker. Mm. And I thought that was a really interesting way to put it. Cause I don't, I, I roasted, I roasted coffee for fun. And I qu- quickly realized when I started roasting that I was like, Oh, I can't be the one that's the head roaster though, because it would take me years to be proficient enough. And what I want to do is find somebody that can create the quality of coffee that excites me yeah. and then go tell that story. And that, cause I always had this imposter syndrome where it's like, but I'm not the one actually doing it, but I'm insanely passionate about uh-huh. it. And then he, that clicked for me that I go, Oh, that role is equally important in a business. Yep. And so it's going in and being able to take that, that specialization of roles is, was that something your dad willingly uh, put on your plate or was that something that you had to convince him to do? Uh, well, he, I mean, there was a real symbiotic way that we just started to, I mean, yeah, synergy, symbiotic. It just he's like you. You got this. I got this. And then 
very little communication was needed. Everything just kind of that's the best. When just like, kind of worked. The, the things you're doing, I don't want to do, and the things that yeah. the things that I'm doing, I know you don't want to do. That's yeah. <laughs> I've stressed that what, several times. You don't like doing that. I would love to do that. Oh, <laughs> you have it. Sweet. Talk to people. Coffee Jesus doesn't like to talk to. You. He wouldn't want to do a podcast. Um, you know, it's questionable. Um, he is extremely extremely thoughtful and i bounce all my ideas off of him uh but in terms of like wanting to actively go out and do it i think it i think it's probably that would be my my lane <laughs> yeah, like introvert extrovert you know where your specialties i don't know how to define them sometimes and I've, I've told him all these things so i'm not worried about saying them that it's like because he presents he presents like that very in, introverted quiet but he's like an insanely driven hard worker and mm-hmm. we, we just present very differently so i was like we're actually we're more alike than we are different apart from a few things but going to what you had with had with your dad is that the things he wants to do in the business are not what I am even able to do. And then the things that I do, he has no interest in doing. And so it's very easy mm. to kind of establish that. And then we don't step on each other to, on each other's toes. Yep. Yeah. And we're, my dad and I are in a unique situation now as he's sort of transitioning. He signaled that he's, um, you know, he's 72 and he's like, okay, I mean, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta take it. You gotta run with it. He's, he's talked about a November date of like, let's sign some things and, you do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- I, I don't know what it's like to transition. I know that it, you know, changes hard. And w- when being ready for it is something that, you know, either you are or you aren't, but when you are, you, you certainly are. Um, so it's, you know, we're working through some stuff, but we've, you know, regular meetings, dedicated time, just like you do with an L10. It's just like we meet every Tuesday from one until two. He brings his to-dos that he's gotten done or not, and I bring mine, and we hash some stuff out. There's a little bit of family stuff in there, but usually it's focused real on business, and I think he's been a little frustrated lately because it's like an hour is not enough time to talk about business. Mm-hmm. But to go back to your point about why you would hate meetings and why meetings suck if you don't really have an agenda, you don't start on time, you don't end on time, and you don't have accountability, meetings can just go. And it's like, wow, I'm late, for, I'm late from this meeting and then that meeting, and it's cascading and it's crappy. It's like, well, if you start on time... And you end on time, you're good. Then you just have to learn how to talk about it, mm-hmm. drop it down. Like, hey, we're gonna. Hey, I want to tell you about this thing. It's like, no, let's drop that down. We can we can rank all of our issues of all of our opportunities, but we only have so much time. So let's talk about the ones that are most important. So save the story. It's a nice story, but I don't have time for the story. I want to get to these three issues that are really hot, that are really yeah. important. And it's hard to say without coming across as like I don't care because you can be. Like, I, I don't care. I do care, but not in this context. Yep. What was your first win when you come into the business and you're like, I'm sales and marketing now? Is there a memorable first moment where you're like, oh, okay, now we're rocking? Yeah. Uh, you know, every day you get to go in and things are going right. I mean, that's a win to, mm. to really count one that's like big. Um, you know, we grew up in hospitality, we grew up with bed and breakfasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like every, every, industry that we work with they're all super special they've all i mean every one of them's got wonderful characters and personalities and there's you know high volume customers and then there's like you know sort of lower volume customers and i i'm i'm attracted by the people so there's people in different countries and different companies that i've worked with that are just awesome um but i'd have to say i always thought our mugs would be a really big hit in national parks never knew how to get there and then we got a call from a company 
in Arizona called Western National Parks Association. And I was like, oh, they have 68 parks out on the West and there's four <laughs> national parks within those ones. And it kind of got a little bumpy. And then, and then, then there was a, they opened a position for a guy that was in charge of product development and overseeing all of their purchasing. And for some reason, he and I just hit it off like hand in glove. Mm-hmm. So I mean, getting getting to know that guy, which I won't name because I he he would not like it. <laughs> I mean, if you if you saw him at a show or something, and you were to go give him give him a hug, he'd be like, "Don't touch me." <laughs> so I won't mention his name, but uh, yeah, that that was a win. And just to see how that relationship has has grown, and then how other national parks have come on to us, and now we have a national park guide, and we're you know through COVID, one of the things we're trying to do to help those parks that are closed, these conservancies, these nonprofits, and even the for-profit institutions that exist to benefit the parks to raise revenue to take care of these national treasures for us, we started to sell some of their mugs on our website for twenty four ninety five, and then ten percent of the net profits go right back to those conservancies. Any of them, so that was just like I, I mean that's a that's a win that started many years ago, and it's still unfolding before us. And I, I'm just really passionate about it. So yeah, I'd say that's a win because if you've ever heard of the theory that like once somebody plans something in your head, you just start seeing it everywhere. The exact thing happened right after you emailed me, I went to a hike in a park and I was like, oh. the, what the hell? I was like, they have the need mugs <laughs> here. I was like, they're everywhere. It's insane. But that's because they're each so unique. I think it didn't scare me off because usually when I see things everywhere, I go, I don't want to do that because everybody does that. Yeah. But you, yeah. And so because I was looking just through your catalog and some of the names on these mugs are, oh man, you're working with some big players. Yeah. Is, was well, that like the Death Wish coffee? Yeah. Bones coffee. And now we got Folly coffee. I mean, we're, <laughs> Those are three different, trust me. The first two are probably selling a few more mugs than I am. I mean, it's, it, we treasure every relationship and we treat every customer with confidentiality and respect. So it's like, yeah. you know, everything that we're doing, we're doing the best that we can for everybody just to do it right. But, but yeah, I think that, I think that they're all unique. I mean, I, I mean, I've got, I bring mugs home every day, and anytime anyone comes, Domino's Pizza Guy comes up, I give him the. I'm, it's it's paperless now, so we don't have to sign anything. But I'm like, thank you for the pizza. Here's the mug. And they're like, oh, cool. You gave one to me that these last time. I'm like, is it the same one? He's like, no, this one's different. I'm like, do you like it? He's like, I love it. And off he goes. I, I mean, Johnny Appleseed is the is sort of the sales philosophy that I've always had. Just give it away. I did, that's give, what, it away. <laughs> give it away. I did the same thing. I go, your coffee drinker. Here, try this. Tell me yes. what you think. <laughs> yeah. if, if you hate it, tell me why, so we can maybe get it better, or maybe we just don't like our coffee, but like taste it and then at the very least they've tasted it so if someone yep. goes have you heard of it or what do you think uh they have an opinion and how's how's it been since you started uh what, what's the development been like of the business have there been any big pivots or has it been just like these wins along the way and continuing to grow um to to have grown up in in a family business where we we faced bankruptcy and we faced having like no revenue, no money, I'm I'm a, I, like I like to just you know what can we afford? Mm-hmm. What do we have in, for cash? Okay, then we can do these little steps. Um, my dad's the opposite way, so he's he's just like oh you know what our kiln holds six hundred mugs, we need another kiln because we're we're doing like you know seven hundred in orders per day, so we can keep up because we can fire on Saturday, but. We need another kill. And it's like, okay, get another one that holds 600. He's like, no, nah, we're going to get one that holds 1,200. You're like, that's too big. How much is it? And he's like, oh, you know, it's a big number, but we're going to need it. And you're like, I don't know if we're going to need it. We haven't, I mean, we haven't seen like, you know, huge sales increases, but he's like, we're going to get it. Our staff, the three of us at the time were like, no, I'm not three. We had like, you know, probably 25, 27, 30 people. 
Um, it was like, well, this is going to delay some of our orders because we're not going to be able to fire it every day. Cause if we're doing 700 a day and it holds 12 and it's every, like three or four months later, it was firing every day. So now we have that 1200, we have another 1200 and we have a 600. So our capacity is like 3000 pieces per day. And then when we're taping off the floor and we put the one in, dad's like, no, we got to put that one a little closer to the wall. I'm like, why? He's like, because the number three big one's going to go right here. And I'm like, I don't think the building's big enough for that. And he's like, trust me. It, it, but we don't really have a really strong sales and marketing plan other than continue to put out quality and take care of our customers. But I think it's been working. And that in itself is a fantastic plan. Um, and I think that gets overstated sometimes. I think people want to hear your five-year plan. And I'm like, well, first of all, before this year, I didn't have one. And after this year, I go, anyone who's oh. trying to make one, good luck. And how, how many people are you seeing doing, and this is more just like a personal kind of what we're doing versus what the norm is. How many people do you see that they just have, this is our signature mug. We sell this every day and it's kind of repeat orders on the same mugs versus people doing more rotating stuff. Has there been any trends oh, within that? Yeah. I mean, when we, with a, the, the core customer group that we had again at Innkeepers, um, continue to do follow-up calls with like, you know, an in Vermont or something. And it's like, nope, we get the, the round belly and we get it in Navy blue. We'd, we'd like another hundred. I'm like, okay, this is the third time I've talked to you in four years. Can we just try another color? No, no, that's our signature color. It works real well. We like it. We're good. Mm -hmm. And now today we've got customers that are like, how many can we get? What did we do last time? I want to get something different. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't have metrics on it, but I mean, there are still some people that like, they find that one style, they find that one color, good to go. Like we don't need to change this up. I mean, it's very much Henry Ford and if it works, it can work. But then, you know, changing styles and colors is just, it's another reason to get another mug. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, variety is the spice of life. What's the weirdest, most unexpected customer you've worked with in terms of like industry? Cause even today I was like, well, I, I saw this cool logo and I was like, oh, that's an interesting mug. And then it was like a, a hair products company or something like that. Suavecito. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so that's when I was like, who have, oh, man. what are some people you've worked with? No, like one of the coolest ones that came through was Frank Abagnale mm -hmm. or Abagnale, Frank Abagnale. Catch me if you can. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he got an order of mugs. Really? Yeah. The, 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 the team, the, the couple of people that I had working on that one with him, mm -hmm. like, wait, you, you, you're that, you're that guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm that guy. So we sent over some, some nice little thank yous. And it was like, that's, that's that guy. That, yeah. So to, to be one step removed from Leonardo DiCaprio and then to have a guy that was such a freaking story. I mean, counterfeiting in Germany, running checks yeah. and just like, how did you do? Oh, oh, but, and then by the way, he was a pilot too, but not really a pilot. And then he was a doctor, but he was not really a doctor. And then he was a lawyer, but he passed the bar, but then he never went to law school. I mean, smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. That, that order was, that, that order was pretty cool. Yeah. Have you seen, um, What's the competition like with more and more people sourcing things from overseas? Because there are mugs that you can get for next to nothing. Oh, yeah. And when we're talking about the prices of Deneen, I mean, you can be talking five times as much as you could go get a cheaply produced mug. Oh, I get hit up by some of those, some of those suppliers. 
yeah, there's one in China that keeps sending me like, do you have any needs for ceramics? We, we, we work with many of the brands, Nike, Chanel, Gucci, Prada, Nestle. And like, did you look at our website? We, we make mugs. I, maybe they think that we could buy those and then, and then resell them mm. somehow. I don't know. I mean, nope. it's uh, I think it's a blanket search and they send it to everybody. We get ones every day for a coffee shop. Do you want this or that? I was like, we don't have a coffee shop. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've looked at but it. But you, you, you have the, the tasting. We room. do have the tasting room. So yeah. n- now it could be like, eh, maybe that's what they're talking about. But this has been going for two years and we just launched last weekend. So <laughs> I want to hear more about the tasting. Um, yeah, the, the, you can, this is a recurring theme of, of pretty much everything I think about in the beverage industry because of how it compares so much to craft beer. But uh, brewery tours, I think, are one of the ways that craft breweries got everybody so excited. Because uh, it's it's really actually amazing when you think of a twenty somebody turning 21 today, they just start drinking craft beer. They, oh. it's not it's not a long process it's not oh I drink Miller and then someone got me this and by the time I'm 30 I'm drinking a craft beer like it used to be now <laughs> now it's like it's just what you drink it's and like I said earlier I think great brands are ones where you go no it's just what you do it's mm-hmm. like and I was brainstorming ways you go well how'd they do that one uh, they marketed the entire industry Craft breweries rarely go drink only my beer. They'd go drink my beer and yeah. drink craft beer. Yeah. And so they would go around saying drink craft beer. It is a little bit easier because craft beer is more clearly defined than coffee as opposed to like really high end versus like Starbucks is technically specialty coffee. So it's kind of tough to delineate. So it's one of the challenges we face. But then the other part is brewery tours. People love tap rooms. And obviously, you know, it's, you know, yeah. it's alcohol. It's a fun environment. It's like it, it, it's naturally a more fun environment than cafes which are where you go to study for eight hours and so i was like is there a way to create a similar experience where you're getting educated while at the same time having fun while also being able to taste things side by side and so we are um we roast in st louis park uh and it's a roasting facility that has a lot of different brands our distributor partner barry is one of the owners of the building so we're able to work out an awesome deal that we can use it on the weekends and so I've got like music pumping and like high energy tour. And then they get to taste cold brew, batch brew and espresso all at the same time. Um, and it's just like that, that is like, it's, it was last weekend was the first weekend and it was really cool. Like people left genuinely excited. And I know it's probably 10% of the excitement that Jeff and I uh, will feel about coffee. And, but 10% is more than they care before. And now they know enough things about coffee that they have those few questions to ask before they order a coffee or a bean or they're going to a cafe. They can ask a couple questions to know just a little bit more about the coffee they're drinking. And so part of this is obviously I want to create excitement behind Folly, but it's also I want to excite the entire industry because I think to this point, all specialty roasters have been aiming for only specialty drinkers and marketing specifically to them. But I go, it's all these mass chain drinkers is the huge part of the pie that like, they're being ignored by specialty because they wouldn't even appreciate what yeah. we have. I go, no, it's like good coffee tastes good. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just education, right? I mean, just, I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, that, yeah, and it's. I can't wait to get there. I, we'll have you anytime. Okay. Yeah, we're open every weekend now, uh, eight, eight to eight to noon every half hour doing tours. Oh my god. 
Yeah. Um, but that was the idea behind that is just uh, customer engagement and like, how do we get directly to them and show them what we're doing and get to an experience to engage customers. That's awesome. Um, so that, that's kind of like, that's been in the works since pre COVID, but now the digital side okay. is like, how do we engage people at home? And that's a, something I continue to brainstorm. Yeah. Have you heard of caffeine crawl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did a few of those. Uh, yeah. Over the few years that I was becoming obsessed with coffee, yeah. I was doing anything. I mean, I would drive eight hours to go do one of those just so Sweet. that you could hop and learn what people were doing. And I had a notebook filled with like 300 cafes and roasters of like, here's what I like that they're doing. Here's what I didn't like. Here's, and uh, like, I make fun of myself that like I understand I look and act like a bro a lot of the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so when I when I go into a specialty shop, I think a lot of times people assume that I probably am not a huge coffee nerd. And the experience I have a lot of the time can be, you know, a little bit uh, patronizing and a little bit like if I go, oh, what do you have for coffee today? They'll answer with like, do you want a latte? And I'm asking like, oh, what do you have for which processes are you serving? Which origins, like which brewing methods do you recommend? And you have to ask a few questions like that before they go, oh, oh, okay. You're you're smart. (laughs) You know what you're talking about. Or just like, oh, this guy is a huge coffee nerd. And then then it opens up. Uh, And so I wanted to create something that that you don't have to ask those few questions. You just get it right away. And then when you taste the coffee, it's either good or it's not. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love a refresher course. It's, yeah, I mean, we get a lot of different coffees in and, and you know, just getting that basis, basic understanding for what you got. But yeah, yeah, no, I can't wait. It'll be good. Yeah. It'll be good. Uh, I don't think I'm going to bring the kids though. Um, if they like espresso, it's a, it's nice and chocolatey. <laughs> that's my, it's my favorite sign. Uh, unattended children will be given. Yeah. yeah. Those classic. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the live, laugh. It's like the coffee shop live version love. of live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> Was it two espressos and a free puppy? Yep. Like, Oh my God, you're just going to kill me. This is going to be terrible. Yeah. No, we do have hot chocolate for uh, people who have kiddos and want to come by. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just creating it's an even, I will say, even if you bring kids, like I'm playing music, I'm being, making a ridiculous fool out of myself during yeah. the tour. So at the very least, like kids are going to be like, what is person doing um, i could see that in you having a lot of energy being a bit of an entertainer it's it's a it's like it's physically exhausting that's like the bill nye type stuff that's like let me educate you on coffee and entertain you at the same time yeah this well, is it's gonna <laughs> be this is gonna be an experience that you will learn and it will be engaging and it's gonna be a lot of fun and you'll never have anything like it yeah, come I, on I, in i um katie on last night from angel food bakery and she's been on like three different oh, yeah. reality shows katie, and so we yep. we were talking like what like is there is that how people really act on the reality shows like is that their true personality she's like look how people normally act is not super entertaining so you have to play it up and i go oh that's really true for what we do on social media for sure i i say it's me and jeff turned up to 11 like it's it's our actual personalities just turned all the way up and then for something like a tour like if you're gonna pay for an experience I want to go to something where I see, where I get excited. And so like I do the full Britney Spears microphone. So it creates like that kind of performance feel like it's a, it's a good time. Wait, I was, I was envisioning something else about Britney Spears when you, when you were, when you were doing that, it's just the microphone, just the microphone. So your hands are free. Yes. The hands are free. That's (laughs) like, there's some battle about her, her estate right now because she, she can't. I've noticed that recently. I always refer to it as the Britney Spears mic. And, uh, I, when I, when you say the name right now, people are like, Ooh. Like what, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, what's, yeah. Go, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know something? <laughs> so when you're saying you don't have like this, uh, this big grandiose plan in place, when you think of sales and marketing, 
do you have kind of like obviously with like EOS, you're familiar with like different business you know business structures. Do you have any favorite books or things that you've learned through the years that have helped guide how you sell, oh, do sales and marketing? Like the little book of selling. It's a little red book. I read that one. Um, I've never duct tape marketing is another one that I've read. Um, no, I mean, some of the best lessons I've ever got. I mean, we had a, an outside sales rep that worked for us and you know, he got me into the, you need to have a pitch. You need to have a, you know, and I can't remember the one he had at the time. And I keeps changing. I mean, we, we're, um, Donald Miller story brand is the one I'm really hot on. Don, what's that? Donald Miller. Yeah. What is that? Story brand. Why? Just, just look it up. <laughs> I mean that there are some of the, some of the education that you, that you can, you know, some of the books you can read, some of the education gets really impactful. And mm-hmm. some of it's like you, you almost, I mean, like, you know, talking to a football coach about what, what, you know, what offensive line plays are they really interested in? It's like, I'm not going to tell you till next season. No, I'm not going to talk about that. I'll talk about my players. I'll talk about the schedule. I'll talk about some triumphs. I'll talk about where we fell apart, but I'm not going to talk strategy with you. I'm not going to talk about how I'm going to line my guys mm-hmm. up or the plays. So, but that one, I'm digging that one. I hear you. I hear you. I'm the same way. I go, I'm very transparent, but there are some things that I go, yeah. I feel like I've kind of figured out something that I should probably use for a while <laughs> until I start telling people about it until it's like yeah. not so, uh, I don't know, but it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, uh, but like traction. You, we share that for sure. Yeah. For sure. That's yeah. a level playing field. I mean, I, I'd highly advise it to, to anyone that, that is in a business that wants to try and be like us or in yeah. a business that, you know, is bigger than us and wants to swallow us up. It's just like, it's a good, it's, I mean, in any business that you're going to run, but just some good stuff. Yeah, the, the thing I loved about the way you sold is you clearly like approached Folly for a specific reason. And what I mean by that is like I don't approach a customer unless I truly believe that our coffee would oh. be a great fit for their business. Oh yeah, I don't approach cafes that have super price sensitive customers because that would be a nightmare for them to try to sell more expensive coffee. I so I I only approach places where I genuinely believe this is a fit and have a reason yeah. why. Yeah, and you came to me and like your your story about Deneen and being here in Minnesota and being local and having the different brands I was like it all resonated with me and I was like he's clearly I get like you were just saying you get the emails where you're going you didn't oh it's a form you I, I question if you even went to the website yeah. you just googled it saw oh. that we were a coffee company and then assumed we have a cafe that we do this and that yeah and you go you didn't even click on the link to see yeah. what we do yeah and there's I mean um well thank you for that one but it is it's like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna you know, find a new customer. And mo- a lot of the customers that we work with are like, they're brands that I would want to associate with anyways. Um, and it's like, I, I, I know the mug is going to work. Um, you didn't ask me like horror stories though. Let's end on that. I want right. to hear a horror story. One, let me, I'm, I never do this, but I we're doing say, this. We're doing the shoot right after. I want to make sure that she's not sitting outside trying to get I in. I wouldn't say it's a okay, horror story. Um, but sometimes you find a, a customer that you, that you want to work with. Yeah. And I've learned from the good friend of mine, Aaron Weecraft, who has a company called Archon Solutions. So if you're looking for anything that a business would need in any capacity, he's a guy that could help you. It's a shameless plug. Um, but he's like, I don't go after every customer. I go after the customers that are going to help my business grow. So he's really savvy and business mind in that way. It's like if, you know, it's like if I got like two or 300 employees, that's a good, that's a good customer that I would go chase. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's too big. You know, I just, if I know that the mug is going to look good, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. So castle danger, big fan. My wife loves her cream ale. 
Aaron and I stopped up there, met them, met the tapper manager, said, I have something that would really work. Can I, can I talk to you about it later? Sure. Got an email, got their art, made a mug, sent them the mugs. And they're like, yeah, these are great, but we're not doing merch. I'm like, you didn't, what? You're not, why would you not do merch? It's, it's, it's your, it's, it's Minnesota. Like what, how, how do you, I did some other things that maybe I shouldn't have sent it to their, their like the head brewer, their owner. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're great. They look great in my cabin. And I'm like, there's a lot of other people that would believe that too. And if we can make them for you, so we're good. Yeah. They went quiet and like, that's fine. So then I still love the mug cause my wife still loves the beer. So I go to my local beer store. I'm picking up a six pack of cream ale, get a bottle of wine. Cause we're going to a party. I have the mug with me. So I'm like, there's the mug, snap it, ale jail, wine thief, castle danger, whatever the wine was driving home. Half an hour later, I get like an email. You need to take that picture down. Mm. I'm like, well, why? Because people are contacting us because they want that. I'm like, great, we can make them. I still have like 20 from the sample. And they're like, no, you don't understand. We don't want them. Take it down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but don't you want to make money and have brand extension and brand awareness? Like, I'm here to help you. And they're like, no, it's not, it's not part of our plan right now. It's like, okay. God, I feel like a jerk. And I'm just, I just, I want to support you. And I love your brand. And we got these mugs. And now it's like, I... I can't buy Castle Danger beer because you can't buy mugs. And my wife is like, if I want a six-pack of Castle Danger, you're going to buy me a six-pack of Castle Danger. So occasionally I have to buy a pack of six. But I'm like, why can't we just do that? I just don't get it. So Here's the thing is I unfortunately see both sides. I bet. Because I have things that people go, why don't you do this? You're stupid. And I go, it's just like. never say that. I'm not saying you've said that, (laughs) but I've been told that. It's like, you should be doing that. Why don't you do that? Uh, Even just like in the tasting room, the only merch we have is beans, a single mug, which I'm sorry is not your mug. It's got, it had to be tacky for, again, this is something where you go, why are you doing that? That's stupid. Why do you have a different mug on your website than what you're selling at the tasting room? I've got my whole list of reasons in my head. Why? And so there's certain things with like brand as a business owner, when you're thinking about your brand and focus, it's it, taking even just a slight sidestep and start focusing on something else. When you're selling coffee or your Castle Danger selling beer and all of a sudden now you're selling mug, you only have so much attention of your customer that you can capture in a week. Mm. So as I'm marketing our beans and our roasting process, now I've opened the tasting room. So I'm starting to get anxious that now I have to promote that too much. And mm. how much of time is that going to take up and affect the focus on the fact that we do wholesale beans and sell beans online. And then all of a sudden we add a mug and now that's another, that's another email blast. That's another post. And so you start to look at your limited marketing resources as a small business and every new thing you add takes up another unit. Let's say you have 10 units of marketing power per, let's say seven, right? So let's say you have one main focus every day of the week that you're focusing on a marketing it sounds ridiculous to someone like yourself. I'm the same way that I'm like, if your customers want it, why aren't you selling it? Well, there's a reason Castle Danger is so popular is because it's their beer. And so to take a sidestep, now one of my seven units of the week, we need to make sure that people are buying this other thing we invested money into. And it's, but on the flip side, you go, that mug could be something they have at home. It's a marketing tool. That's another way to increase your overall unit. So I am saying there are strong arguments for both sides. And that's where I go, oh, I'm frustrated because like both of us are right. And there's, and that's the thing is both sides are going, I'm right. And you're like, but I am too. And then there's this disconnect of like, well, both people can be right in a thing that doesn't come together. 
And oh. that's something weird that I've realized. Oh, well, that's one of those, like, the idea of finding a true partnership where it's like, what you're doing, we get the value, we love it, partnership is good, and it's like, it's just not a good fit. So yeah. It's just not a good fit. Yeah. Just what it is. And that, that's, that's been kind of the, even just adding these mugs was like, all right. I sat and just looked at our store, and I go, if I had never seen our store before, where would my eye be drawn? What would I be looking at first? Where would this fall in the priority of what we're selling? Whereas something like the Halloween mug, I'm going to be promoting the heck out of this because it's going to be a bundle deal with the coffee. It, this inherently is a limited release. It increases a sense of urgency to buy this limited coffee we're going to buy. And so when you see this, it's going to, you're going to link it to that. Um, yeah. And so it, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And I've run into the same thing where I have somebody be like, why don't you do that? If people are telling you they want it. And I go, cause you, if you did everything that everybody said that they want, you would have a thousand items and no oh. no focus on anything. Well, I I mean I think you'd 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 make sure you wouldn't go that far. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm always willing to try. Like if some if I've got a salesperson that's really like this is gonna work, this is gonna work. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, let's give it a shot. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, then then we're done. Yeah. But if you're that persistent, if you want to make me these this product, if you want to give me this for free. I'll, yeah, I'll put it on the shelf. And if it sells, fine. Good to go. I mean, I'm, there's been a couple customers like that through the years where it's like, no, I don't think so. And you're like, no, we, I know so. And then you you do that step and then you Johnny Appleseed it and you're like, yeah. just put it out. If it sells, you will have the money for free to buy more to replace it. And then it's just a, it's a rinse, recycle, repeat, rinse, recycle, repeat. You just There's no thought involved. It's just yeah. behind the register, buy the growlers, buy your flannels, buy the hats you have that stuff. It's just, it's a little bit of space and they're shelf stable, but it is, it's timing attention yeah. and then whether you're ready to do it. Yeah. And then one thing I'm realizing is just like, it's another thing to think about. And that might seem kind of insignificant when you're like, but you, you know, you, you can, it's not that big of a deal. And you're like systems, systems and process, small things add up quickly. And so yeah. that, that the, I was looking at, or just kind of reflecting on what the old store looked like with all the merch. And I was like, that place was a mess. Well, then when you, when you have something like that, when you tie up a bunch of cash and in inventory and you're looking yeah. at it, not moving and this stuff is just stale and it's like, I got a fire sale and then that's just taking my diet just sucks yeah then you're look, you're looking at your inventory going and being like this is rent yeah, yeah all this stale inventory mm. here is literally rent that i could i could have had in my yeah. pocket right now uh and so yeah this decision is not something i took lightly yeah. um and to playing a little bit of devil's advocate there on the flip side of the business owner side that it's just but i've been on the other side where you sell and you do something that oh you, that you well think yeah of, that time i mean that you 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 know pound on the pavement Knocking on doors, opening up accounts. That's like hard selling. You know what no is like. And yeah. it's like, okay, take the no, go find a yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, no, but this is a, this is the one that I want. Yeah. The, and it's not because it's a huge revenue thing. It's not because it's going to be the you know the flagship account that's going to take you to the next level. It's just like, I just love this company. I want to I want to collaborate. I just I want to play with you. <laughs> I, I want to go on a picnic. I want to hang out. I, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and that is something that I think is valuable in business is when you still have that. Cause you meet people that are just purely transactional. They go, I have, oh. it, I have it good. Do you want it or not? And look, there are certain products that you go, that's all you need. You don't need somebody that's super emotionally invested in your business. But when it comes to something like even just a mug, which is going to be an important part of like potentially someone's, like you said, that emotional connection that yeah. you do need someone who at least knows a little bit about what you're going for. And, uh, I, I am a hundred percent the same way that I will pursue people and just be like, I love what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, literally like Brian over at hope breakfast bar, like, Oh, I didn't know him before I reached out to him. I yeah. emailed him and I was just like, I read about you and what you're doing and what you're doing at hope. And 
I want to work with you and I want to show you why. And here's what we do. And fortunately he responded and the timing worked out and I got really lucky. And to this day, it's a great partnership because I still am heavily invested in what he's doing and want to make sure that we're certain. And when yeah. you're, you're invested into what you're and uh, giving back, it's, it's the giving back. Yeah. And when you, you, when you're proud of what your customers are doing with your product, it's, it becomes, it, that's why it's like this played out thing where we say, well, we have, we don't do transactions. We do partnerships. That's what we do with Folly. It's a, it's something that you're going to be reordering. We're not just transactional. We want to form a partnership. And uh, yeah, that's, that's quite frankly, the, the feeling I have here that it's like, we want to, like, you want to continue working with not just, you want to work with Folly. And it's not just like, oh, we like that you're buying our mugs because there are way bigger fish to fry if that was your only intention i'll be honest <laughs> true yeah so that that was kind of uh that that was kind of exciting in a weird way um but that i think that is something that's understated in in selling because selling has such a oh. uh, the used car salesman reputation but it's like if you care about the people you're selling to and you have their best intentions in mind and you're proud of what you're producing then i've been in that same position where you, you don't understand if you serve better coffee, like your menu is incredible, except for your coffee. Like yeah. just make your coffee good. And then this place is perfect. Trust me. And they're like, that's 25 cents more a cup. I don't see it. I'm just like, oh, gosh. So I've been on that side too. Yeah. Well, you know, when a restaurant has bad coffee for sure. And, and the funny thing is right now, that's the expectation. If yeah. you get a bad cup of coffee, you go, yeah, I'm at a restaurant. I, it's not a cafe. I wouldn't expect it. When you go out west... Oh, it's different. So, it's the you you know which roaster you're drinking. They know which roaster they're serving. There's more and more places oh, that just better better coffee and espresso uh. is more the norm. And I'm like, that's just what I because. Uh. And, and I'm gonna end the episode on this before I we go on crazy tangents here. But uh, the espresso is often the last thing somebody will have at dinner if they have espresso. So what if you had an amazing dining experience? And then the last thing you taste is bitter, burnt, cheap espresso. Oh. Your last thing on your palate on an amazing meal is burnt espresso. I mean, terrible. <laughs> and so that's where I'm like, come on, do we not? But um, yeah. So no, no bad taste in your mouth. Have a good taste in your mouth. Pony up. I, I think that should be a good part of a restaurant philosophy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but we are really excited to launch these Halloween mugs. Cool. These, these will go live next week. Um, yeah, we... I think these one will be more of a slow burn. I think these are just going to be readily available and the holiday period, I think will work really nicely with that. But, uh, no, I think you guys have this unique blend in between, uh, like consistency and clearly quality. Cause so many times you either have to choose machine manufactured to make sure it comes through clean and well done versus like handmade. And some of them come out and things are wonky or different or too different and it's kind of a fine line that i think you guys have the perfect balance between well thank you and it's awesome to come on here and meet you for the first time and, and sit down and, and share a little bit of our bantering about business and philosophy and start and origin stories but this has been really fun thank you absolutely thanks yeah. for coming in and i will end it and say have a nice day <laughs>